0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pulse Podcast. My name is Jeff Frost. I am an R3 in physiatry at UBC, and I'll be your host for today. Today, we're going to be talking about top tips for surviving the first year of residency. Now, I know you may be thinking, well, hang on, Jeff. You promised me another episode in the Parenting in Residency series. Where's my third episode? But don't worry. That one's coming. The sad truth is those episodes take a long time to edit because of the amount of interviews in them. The weather's been really, really good lately. So I may have been at the beach instead of editing podcasts. So that one's coming. Don't worry. Uh, this is a little, a little bit of a lighter episode. Today we're going to be talking about tips for surviving first year. And to join me in this quest, I am here with Eastu. Uh, Eastu is a third year resident in emergency medicine. And Emily, why don't you introduce yourself?
1: Thanks for having me, Jeff. So, like he said, I'm Emily Stewart. I'm a third-year resident in emergency medicine and happy to be here at your apartment in East Vancouver.
0: Now, Emily, this is, sadly, the third time we're recording this introduction Mm -hmm. due to an unnamed incompetent audio engineer. But, uh, (laughs) so the first and second time we forgot an important part of your biography. Do you remember what that is?
1: Well, Jeff, I also serve as the Vice President of Resident Doctors of BC.
0: Ah, very cool, very cool. So uh, we've got half of the union executive here in the room today.
1: (laughs) Happy to be here.
0: (laughs) Thanks for coming, Emily. So uh, like I said, we're going to be talking about tips for residents, first-year residents specifically, but I guess this this could apply to everyone. And of course, Emily and I, were only two out of 1,300 residents in the province, and we wanted to give you as much breadth and depth of experience as we could in recording this episode. So what we ended up doing is we went out to all our friends in all the different years and all the different programs. So we contacted residents from R2 up to R5, from call heavy specialties like internal medicine and general surgery, all the way to call light specialties like physiatry and psychiatry. And we asked them, what advice would you give new R1s who are just about to start residency, and how would you tell them to survive residency? And today's episode is A summary and culmination of those bits of advice presented to you by myself and Emily. Mm -hmm. So with that on the books and my refrigerator making lots of noises, the dangers of podcasting in your kitchen, (laughs) team, the dangers. Why don't we start off?
1: (laughs) Sure, Jeff. So I'll start with tip number one, which is get enough sleep. Now, Jeff, I know you're pretty good at getting sleep in general, but for the rest of us, it's pretty easy to lose track of how much sleep we're missing out on when, when on call, and we're really just burning the candle on both ends.
0: Yeah, and it can be really punishing when you don't notice how often you're getting four or five hours a night. When you're on call, you might be in the minutes range rather than hours, and, and there really is no substitute for sleep like sleep. And it does wonders for the body, as I'm sure... A physician other than me could explain. (laughs) So it's important that we get as as much sleep as we need. Uh, And I think you have a whole stack of research that you wanted to share with the team, don't you?
1: Well, you know, there's the basics. We know this stuff already, but I always like to share the wise old piece of residency advice that I think is probably passed down over the years. And it says, don't stand when you can sit and don't sit when you can lie down. And I'd probably even extend this and add, don't lie down when you can be sleeping. And what you're referring to is some pretty interesting research that's come out in recent years. And it basically shows how lack of sleep, disrupted sleep, or even shift work sleep can all lead to pretty negative downstream effects like cardiovascular disease, insulin resistance, increased mortality even. So I think it really behooves us as residents, we're in medicine, to really mitigate that as much as possible. So nap, nap whenever you can. Don't miss out on opportunities to get even 20 minutes in. And for those of you doing a lot of call or shift work like myself, I'd really recommend looking into getting proper anchor sleep. And there's lots of good kind of resources out there that uh, show you how to do this. And there's good evidence that anchor sleep can help regulate our circadian rhythms when our schedules aren't even that regular. And finally, just try to get a consistent post-call routine that works for you and stick to that routine.
0: Awesome. And Emily, while that was an excellent tip, I want to give you a special call out for the unironic and appropriate use of the word behoove.
1: Oh, you're welcome, Jeff.
0: Well played. (laughs) And if I can throw like a practical... Layered to this tip, it's, it's something really simple. Like, you know, you've had a bad day at work. You've had a rough call shift. You get home. You're like, you know what? I'm just going to watch some Brooklyn Nine-Nine or some glow on Netflix. It'll make me feel better. I
1: still don't know what glow is, Jeff. Okay.
0: If you haven't watched glow, that may be the one exception to this tip. You should probably just binge watch it, but, (laughs) um, you know, it, there's nothing like sleep. So don't stay up for that extra 45 minutes watching your favorite show. Just, just get to bed and, and get the time you need on the pillow. So Emily, I think we have recovered from our poor introduction. Shall we move on to sure. tip number two that we recorded yesterday?
1: Sounds good. <laughs> All
0: <right>. Thank you. <laughs> tip number two. This one comes from one of the residents in a more intense specialty. I should say, before we get further down the list, when I asked people if they wanted to be identified for having provided these excellent tips, everyone said they wanted to be anonymous. I just guys this is the world famous pulse podcast this is your chance at fame but anyways <laughs> this is from a resident i really respect she's she's great oh i've already given away her, her gender but anyways she's great she's in a, a very difficult residency program and she told me always make sure you make time for your friends and family at the end of the day there are people that will get you through your really rough days your really rough call shifts they're the people you're going to call when you've had a really bad case and something went poorly uh so you know don't Ignore them when the times are good and only reach out to them when the times are bad. Make sure you make time for them so that those relationships thrive and selfishly so that those relationships are there for you when you need them.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Jeff. I think the fact that we have a support network of friends, family around us is something we shouldn't let go of. Um, These are the people that are going to remind you that there's a life outside of medicine and that when you're on that 26th, 30th hour of call and it feels like you haven't done anything other than medicine, they're they're there to remind you that there's more as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And and I think I've said this on the podcast before, but I'm actually not from British Columbia. I'm from Ontario. And I think for people from other provinces, you need to go the extra mile And this is just something you have to deal with as not being from British Columbia. You need to to take the effort to make sure you call your family at their preferred time in their time zone. And and that's just kind of how things go when you move across the country for training. And don't let distance or time zones or whatever be an excuse for letting some of those really critical relationships uh, fall to the wayside.
1: Yeah, I have uh, friends from... Newfoundland during residency, Ontario, throughout Ontario actually, through the prairies and obviously here and we all stay in touch and sometimes we don't hear from each other for a few days at a time because we're busy but I think fostering those relationships that you've had previous to residency is really important.
0: Yeah. And, and one thing I always do, so my brother lives in England, my older brother, but we get along really well. One thing I try and do is schedule phone calls. Like every second week, we have a phone call on a Saturday morning for me and a Saturday evening for him. And it's, I mean, it really helps. Like he's a really good uh, support system for me. And the best part is he's not a doctor. So it's really great uh, for him to force me out of that bubble and talk about things other than medicine. Super useful. Great tip. Yeah, I know. And it's, it sounds selfish, but You know, they're your family. Like, come on. (laughs) Do you have another one for us, Emily?
1: Yeah, so tip number three. Um, Commit to things outside of residency that demand your presence. So what would this be for you, Jeff?
0: Oh, for me, it's beach volleyball. Beach volleyball. Yeah, I'm on three different beach volleyball teams. Should I admit that? Probably not. No, uh, if my staff is listening, I'm on one beach volleyball team.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I like to commit to just general regular workouts and i've started uh, committing to a weekly salsa class so that's always been fun and what? <laughs> yeah
0: that's dope yeah. yeah
1: it's fun yeah i
0: mean commitments force you to be there right so if you're post-call you don't really want to be there you just want to go home and sleep but if you've made the commitment you show up uh i think it's helpful because it forces you to get exercise it forces you to socialize those are all things we need even when kind of in our darkest days, we feel like we can forego them.
1: But in that same vein, I think it's important just to be kind to yourself because the other challenging thing with residency is that our schedules change literally on a month-to-month basis. And some of us have a lot of call, not you, Jeff. Some of us have a lot of shift work.
0: I do a lot of call.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But the reality is we can't necessarily commit to a – regular Wednesday beach volleyball routine or a regular salsa dance Monday session, and it's okay. You might miss 25% of them, and try not to beat yourself up about that, because oh, totally. I know I don't meet all those commitments, too.
0: Yeah, and and one thing, I mean, pro tip, find a friend in pathology or physiatry or psychiatry and uh, buddy up with them, because they can make it every week. I don't know why. That's weird, but they can. And it's always good, you know, to have someone who can rally the troops and be the constant presence. (laughs) Okay, next tip. This one comes from a resident, again, wanted to be anonymous, but I'm going to throw it out there in case she's listening. I really, really uh, value this resident's opinions. I've seen her in some really difficult, difficult situations, and she's always really handled them well. So I thought if I get any advice from this individual, I got to say it on the podcast. And... I think this advice just proves how thoughtful she is as an individual. But what she said was realize that negative self-talk doesn't mean you're self-aware. Forgive yourself for your mistakes. At the end of every day, remind yourself of three things that you did well that day. Uh, for me, that's huge. It's so easy to, you know, make, make a small mistake on the ward and just beat yourself up over it when, like, you don't, you don't need to. Like, nobody's perfect. We need to find a way to walk past these little mistakes that we're bound to make as trainees.
1: Yeah, I'll reiterate what you say. Really take notice of your own stress levels or performance anxiety. And when people around you are expressing the same, you'll hear this thing called imposter syndrome a lot. Those are really key times to stop, listen, and prioritize the personal care that we were talking about. It's pretty amazing how many people in medicine feel isolated. And we know from the literature that reaching out to fellow colleagues who are starting to get burnt out or mentally exhausted really need help. And it might, you reaching out might be all it takes for someone to get a little bit of help. I think there's this culture and medicine where we try to hide what's bothering us and we try to hide when we're struggling. And I really think that the future of medicine and the culture of medicine really starts with us. So if you see yourself struggling, you see your colleagues struggling, I think we can start having those more authentic conversations with the people around us, kind of improve our working conditions.
0: For sure. Next point.
1: So tip number five, uh, time management. So time management is key. Plan weeks to months ahead, not days ahead. So when you know that you have a commitment six months ahead, it is okay to request that from the service that you're on. Ask for a specific week off or a weekend off because having those locked in will make you feel so much better about your own schedule. Call shifts inevitably bunch right up before you need to present an important presentation or a big exam so, really try to stay weeks ahead of your schedule, and then that unexpected call bolus won't floor you as much.
0: Yeah, I gotta say, for us as physiatry residents, once a year we have to give this presentation to all the physiatrists in the province called, uh, and we call it province wide rounds. I'm sure every residency program has something similar. And f- for me personally, it takes me about a month, month and a half to prepare for that presentation. Uh, if I tried to do it in the like three weeks before, it's just not gonna work. Inevitably, something else will come up, some other time critical commitment will come up. So it's it's really key for me to plan at least like three months ahead and try and roll with that rather than just trying to fit everything in at the last moment. You're always going to get floored by some super time-critical commitment.
1: And often residents, I hear them saying that they wish they knew their schedules for a specific rotation earlier enough in advance. I hear this over and over, and I think a really important thing that you should know as one of your rights is that in general, you should be receiving your call schedule about 30 days in advance of the start of your rotation. And if you're not receiving your call schedule 30 days in advance of your rotation, that's something that resident doctors of BC can help you with. I know it's really challenging to pester whoever's making the call schedule, but every rotation is supposed to send resident doctors of BC the call schedule for that month. And we don't often check up on every single program's schedule, but you can alert us if it's you know a week before your rotation and you still haven't received a schedule because I know that not having control over your life can be a big drain on your own wellness.
0: I think something to remember there, if you're worried about being the person who speaks up, the whole point of being in a union is that the union can be the heavy. So if you need a schedule and you don't want to be the one to speak up, you can come to resident doctors of BC and it's our job to speak up on your behalf. And then you don't have to take the blame. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, next one. Okay, so next, this is tip number six. This one I really like. Like social media, in residency, you only tend to hear or see about your colleagues' best moments. This can leave you feeling behind even when you are not. So just keep that in mind. And always ask for expectations early. Seek out feedback often. If you're meeting expectations, that's great. That's what you should be doing. Don't feel bad about it. And I think this probably comes to the fore most with procedural things. I don't know how many times I've heard an R1 or a medical student boast about how they did a thoracentesis all by themselves with no supervision. And it's like, okay, bro, that never really happened. But if you just listen to those peak moments, you yourself can feel bad. You can feel like, well, how come I didn't get to do the thoracentesis all by myself? And just realize that nobody's doing this maliciously, but we all tend to over-exaggerate our best moments. And if you only hear other people's best moments, it may feel you leaving bad even when there there really is nothing to feel bad about.
1: Yeah, and this really applies to everything outside of medicine too. I think at any given moment between all the Instagram filters that you see, (laughs) and I know you're not really a social media guy, Jeff, but just remember that despite all those moments that you're seeing on your phone, just know that... other people around you, your residents, your friends, everyone's going through some sort of stress, moments where they feel inadequate, you know, mental health struggles, financial stress, family crises. These are all going on. And just remember that when we look at social media, we're only seeing the highs.
0: Yeah. And, and don't let those highs distract you from realizing that life can be difficult. Anyways,
1: Emily, do you have another one for us? All right, so tip number seven. So this was sent to us from a surgical resident in a very busy specialty.
0: Again, anonymously.
1: Anonymously. (laughs) It is emotionally easier to assume and plan on being unavailable and then be surprised when you're free rather than thinking that you'll be able to sneak out and do something. So I guess what this person is saying that if you – Try to always commit to everything, then you spend your call shift being anxious and having every subsequent page or consult break your heart.
0: All right, next one, tip number eight. This one is huge. I did it myself, uh, although this one didn't come for me, but I agree with this. Um, Get your LMCC Part 2 done as soon as you can. Uh, We all know that the LMCC Part 2 is performance art rather than medicine, but the sooner you get it done with, the sooner it's off your list, and then you can focus on doing what you want to do. I mean, for me as a physiatry resident, literally maybe five percent of that exam is relevant to my future practice. <laughs> so I, I just need to I just needed to study, get it over with, and then focus on becoming a good physiatrist. And I would recommend that we all follow that path.
1: Yeah, and I was one of those residents who did not either see the email or choose to sign up to do the LMCC in R one. So I ended up doing it in R2, and you're just that much further away from the skills that they're looking for. I had to relearn how to do percussion and whispered pectoriloquy on my lung exam, stuff that they're really looking for on those exams. So the further you get on into your residency training, the harder it is to just remember all those basic skills for OSCEs um, at the level that they're looking for in the LMCC2. So just try to get that over with as soon as you can.
0: And I don't know, Emily, you might know this. I'm, I'm always iffy on this, but there's a surgical foundations exam that the surgical residents have to write. That's in second
1: year, right? That is in second year at the end of second year, and it almost coincides with the second writing of the exam, LMCC-2. So for those surgical residents, I would really recommend you get your LMCC-1 or LMCC-2 done in first year, um, or try to get the first sitting of your R2 year, which is in the fall, I believe in November or so.
0: Yeah, totally. You don't want to have to be studying for the OMCC while you're also studying for a surgical foundations exam. It's a bit tough.
1: All right. Tip number nine. So this was also sent in from a surgical resident. The tip is to work hard, period. This should be obvious, but it's worth repeating. We're in residency for a reason. So work smart, but work hard. There really is no shortcut to gaining medical knowledge that only involves working four hours a week. And yes, Jeff, before you enter, <laughs> <laughs> before you interrupt me, I I do have more than four hours of work a week as an eMERGE resident, despite what everyone likes to make fun of us for.
0: Yeah, I I know you guys work really hard. I've been in the ER. I've seen you at it. Um, yeah, no, I mean, for like like this this lands really home for me. I know I'm a physiatry resident. Like we don't. We don't do the thirty-hour grueling in-house call kind of thing, but at the same time, I need to be at home every night memorizing the entire nervous system so I can regurgitate that on demand. So, like, there's no there's no secret to this. It's just time. It's just effort. Unless you have a unless you have a photographic memory, then like, I mean, good for you. I wish I did. (laughs) That's not all of us, right?
1: Yeah, and just remember, like, this is a really awesome time that we have to get mentorship from the staff we're working with. Once we're out there. You might be in the community or even in an academic center where no one is looking over your shoulder and telling you what you could be doing better. So the way I kind of approach things when I'm really feeling like residency is bogging me down is that this is an opportunity and it feels a little bit better when you have those days where you don't want to go into work.
0: Totally. All right. Tip number 10. Um, when you're on call for those really long call shifts, pack food, pack snacks, if you like me, you become a bit of a biohazard. Pack a change of underwear, pack a change of socks, and bring a toothbrush. When you're at like 2, 3 a.m., it can be a little touch and go with the personal hygiene, and all the big hospitals we work in that I know of have showering facilities for residents. There is always time to find like two minutes just to get a quick drink of water, and if you've packed some snacks, shovel some of those down your
1: down your throat. It just it changes the call shift. And I would even add bringing an entire change of clothes to call if you're really going to be there overnight. And I'll add deodorant to that as well, Jeff.
0: Oh, yeah, I totally bring deodorant. Sorry, forgot to mention I, uh,
1: <laughs> I had a terrible experience as an R1 where I was assisting in a C-section during my OB rotation, and... I think it was just the amount of pressure of amniotic fluid that was in the belly, but it just exploded like Niagara Falls and doused me from head <laughs> to toe in infected amniotic fluid, and it was just dripping my- down my back. And yeah. I just stood there, and as an R1, I didn't want to leave the OR to go get changed, so I just stood there for another half hour as it finished. That. I also wouldn't recommend doing that. Just get out of the OR if that happens to you. But at the time, I didn't have a change of clothes or underwear. So mm-hmm. I ended up just wearing those maternity ones that they had in the hospital, which, by the way, are very comfortable in a pinch.
0: Yeah, I, I always bring a full change of clothes. Yeah. And I got to say, I don't know what it is, but having the like 3 a.m. shower, toothbrush, change of clothes, it makes me, it like revitalizes me. I can just power through the last like seven, 10 hours of that call shift.
1: Yeah. And if you didn't mention snacks, I think you did. But having tons of snacks is really key and healthy snacks if possible.
0: Also, if I can just reflect on the fact that I know I made an amazing life choice becoming a physiatrist because I will never be showered in amniotic fluid on non-existent OB rotation that I never do.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But for those of you who will, extra change of clothes.
0: Yeah, for sure. Anyways, tip number 11?
1: Tip number 11. So... I think there are more resources than I can name here for residents that need help, whether it's academic support, emotional support, financial support, it's all available. We have our wellness office and resident doctors of VC, and they should really be your go-to resources in times of trouble. And don't be afraid to use them. Really just try to take advantage of everything that's around you.
0: Yeah, and, you know, like, we ourselves as resident doctors of BC, we provide lots of workshops and opportunities for socializing throughout the year that can really just help make the year a little smoother. So we had our tax workshop in, I think it was February, where we we helped you file your taxes. You could get a free massage.
1: That was amazing, by the way.
0: Yeah, the massage was better than the tax help. And, and like, I think in July, uh, in a few, two weeks now, exactly two weeks from today, when we're recording this on the 14th of July, but on the 28th of July, there will be our fireworks social. So come out, uh, have a beer, meet some other residents that you may not have met before and enjoy the fireworks. Like those little things really help.
1: And enjoy the fun resources we have available to you. For those of you who are in more rural or remote sites, remember we have our Plan your own social opportunity where you can get funding for just social events that you organize with you and your colleagues or you and colleagues in other programs. $25 per person for any activity you organize. So even if you're not going to use the resources available for academic or financial issues, at least you can use our fun resources that we have for you.
0: Yeah, but don't forget those academic and emotional support resources, especially if you need them. Like These things happen. Mm -hmm. Use them.
1: And I should point to looking at other resources as well that are outside of kind of the medical world. I always tell people to splurge on things that matter to them, that will make a meaningful difference in their life, your life. And this really isn't going to be the same for everyone. So whether it's, you know, getting that gym membership that's going to get you excited to exercise throughout residency or whether it's getting a meal prep delivery service because you really value eating healthful foods but don't have the time, or whether it's going on the occasional vacation just to kind of refresh your mind before going back to call, find that thing that's going to make you feel good throughout residency, and it's okay to splurge on that thing.
0: Yeah, and uh, we, were, we were actually talking about this before we started recording. I was making fun of you for buying an espresso machine. And then you pointed out that I bought a whole bunch of podcast equipment. <laughs> we all have our things, and they can be different for different people. But if it helps bring joy to your life, and believe it or not, I do I do like doing the Pulse podcast, then
1: yeah, just go for it. And coffee does bring joy to my life, Jeff.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm not judging anymore after you <laughs> pointed out the hypocrisy of my statement. <laughs> okay, uh, tip number 12. Be systematic with how you study and review. I know everyone always uses that buzzword, read around your cases, which bothers me from so many angles, not the least of which is that it doesn't actually make sense. Nobody stands outside a patient's room with a textbook reading around them, literally. But anyways, it's great to read about cases that you see, for sure, so that you can provide optimal care in the moment. But at the same time, remember that you're trying to develop a systematic base of knowledge that addresses all the relevant points of the kind of physician that you will be. So for me as a physiatrist, I need to think about spinal cord injury, brain injury, burns, all that kind of thing. And if I have a... a systematic approach to learning these knowledge points, it helps me see the forest for the trees.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think the read around your cases is the classic teaching we get in Emerge, and I'm sure it's the same in other specialties. One thing that a mentor told me, which I found really helpful for studying, and I'm someone who finds it hard to study when I'm not at work, like I try to do most of my learning when I'm at work and then only spend a little bit of time studying, at least in my junior years, that'll probably change in my senior years, is the what if question. So if you see a case, ask yourself, what if? What if they didn't respond to the treatment that I gave them? And then kind of study around kind of the complications of that treatment or what if their vitals weren't normal? And then kind of think about what would have happened if they were sicker? What if... They also had a past medical history of this. And then you kind of learn kind of the breadth around the topic that you really need to know. And that kind of helped me learn a little bit more than just the specific case that I was seeing at that particular time.
0: Yeah, totally. I think, I think that's really appropriate for something like Emerge. Maybe I can provide a physiatry example, which I think would apply to most of the med- medical specialties. So what we're always told is develop a framework for a consult that you always stick to. So to sp- pick a specific example, whenever it comes to treatment, we are expected to first talk about conservative methods, then pharmacological methods, then invasive methods or more procedural methods. And if you can always stick to that, it will force you to think about every possible treatment for the disease in front of you. Uh, and it just it just helps you remember everything that you need to remember. And it, it's, it just starts with re- with having a simple framework. So yeah, I think frameworks really help.
1: All right, so tip number 13. I believe this came from a physiatry resident. The tip is to learn to advocate for yourself as a learner. As a resident, you are there to help with the workload, and that's the service part of residency, but you're also a learner, and it's really okay to prioritize your learning. So pin down seniors and staff and get them to explain things to you. The teaching that happens in residency isn't always the didactic part. It's sometimes the bedside teaching. It's sometimes the written down on scraps of paper teaching you get at 3 a.m. It's sometimes the teaching that happens when you're reviewing a case over the phone. So just take advantage of those opportunities to learn and don't be afraid to ask questions. I really think it's important that everyone knows that they should not feel concerned with looking dumb or asking dumb questions. Just ask and learn.
0: Yeah, I mean, if, if we could just summarize this with one thing, to me, it all comes down to why we're here. Uh, we're here to become the best possible physicians we can within our own specialty. And that means almost like aggressively searching out learning opportunities and not being afraid to ask questions or ask for help when needed. So that at the end of your residency program, whether it's two years, three years, five years, you are the best possible possible physician you can be all right tip number 14 and i believe this is our last tip emily and this is my own personal tip i came up with it all by myself nobody texted it to me my tip is don't let your ego wait is this the only non-anonymous tip
1: i think so jeff Uh,
0: maybe i should make it anonymous anyways i've outed myself i can
1: offer a tip at the end too so it's not anonymous just to you we'll
0: have two non-anonymous tips so my tip here Don't let your ego get in the way of becoming a good physician. There are educational moments in every second, in every interaction within a hospital. Whether you're interacting with a volunteer, with a nurse, with a patient, uh, with a medical student, with an upper-year resident. Almost all of these interactions can lead to good learning experiences. And I would encourage you not to believe you're above or more important than any specific learning opportunity. So the one that always comes to mind for me is uh, medical students. Like, I don't know how many times medical students have taught me something, even though I'm now in my third year. <laughs> Agree. <laughs> and it's like, if you're in the mindset that as an upper year resident or as an R1 or an R2, I don't, I don't need to listen to the medical student. They have nothing to add. I just, I just couldn't stress that that is, in my experience, just not correct. Like, there's always something to learn from everyone. I've learned things from nurses, physiotherapists. I've even learned things from from patients and their family members. So always be open to learning experiences, even if it's not from a traditional source of knowledge.
1: Yeah, this really adds to the collaborative nature of medicine that I think we really want it to be. Some of the best learning about you know, airway management and vent management has happened between me and a respiratory therapy student who happened to be in the emergency department and they had some time and they... Taught me a lot. So, like Jeff said, take advantage of learning from every resource around you.
0: Yeah. Emily, you have your own personal tip for us?
1: Yeah. So, my final bonus tip is know your rights.
0: <laughs> <laughs> is
1: this obvious or what, Jeff? Well, <laughs> it's hard. We have a lot of work ahead of us in residency. But just remember that you have an organization whose entire job it is to know your collective agreement inside and out. So just remember, if you take anything away from this podcast, that you can contact us anytime, whether it's an issue with call schedules, parking, academic issues, personal crises. Just know that you have resident doctors of BC that's on your side because there's few things worse in life in residency than feeling like you have no control over your life. But we're there to help you with that.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Residency is tough. Use the supports available. And that's specifically like there is a legal language around the collective bargaining agreement. And as your union, we are there to unambiguously and aggressively enforce it. Feel free to make use of that service.
1: Definitely. <laughs> All right. Well, thank
0: you, thank you very much for uh, for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Pulse Podcast. I ju- I'd like to thank you, Emily, for taking the time to come on.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: And I'd also like to thank everyone who texted me advice. Most of you asked to remain anonymous, which mystifies me. But you know who you are. You know you're excellent, wise, wonderful residents, and thank you for helping the R ones that are coming coming through the system now. And for the R ones, I hope you listened this time. Unlike at my MSAC presentation. <laughs>
1: Thanks for listening.
0: Still sour. Anyways, uh, our music today was... Blue Circles by Unreal DM, And right now you're listening to Summer Trip by Togolio. Both of those are used with the Creative Commons license. And in terms of upcoming events, we have our board nominations. So if you're interested in becoming a board member of the Resident Doctors of BC, just like Emily and I, get your name in soon, because our elections will run from the 23rd of July to the 30th of July. It'll be an online election where we will vote for the new executive. And that could be replacing Emily as vice president, me as communications director, and our, our president and uh, finance director, and then all the other board seats that are available.
1: Feel free to contact us if you have any questions about our experience on the board as well. For sure.
0: And uh, in terms of other upcoming events, on the 28th of July, we have our fireworks Social, as I mentioned, and that's an event. Uh, if you'd like to come, please sign up on Eventbrite. There will be some drinks and some appetizers provided, and then after we enjoy the food and drink we will be heading over to the beach to watch the fireworks go boom. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. I've already reserved two seats now. I just need to find someone else to go with me, but that's, <laughs> that. I'll go with you, Jeff. <laughs> Thanks, Emily. Thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, uh, that's, that's kind of it for this week. So thank you very much. Unless Emily, you have any, uh, upcoming events to add?
1: No, that's it for now. All
0: right. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we'll be catching you soon with the end of our parenting in residency mini series. Uh, yeah, have a great day. Bye for now.